0: Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and tonight I have with me three amazing black males and entrepreneurs. We are going to start this conversation off with Gerald, Gerald Jones. Hey, Gerald.
1: Hey, Anika. Thank you for having me home.
0: Thanks for being here. I would like for you to tell listeners who you are, what you do, and how you came about doing what it is that you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Gerald Jones. Uh, I host a podcast called Buy Black, the voice of Black business. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. And uh, that started uh, July 5th of 2016 was the day that, that started me down that path. That was the day that we, that Alton Sterling was killed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the next day we lost Lando Castile. And uh, it was at that moment when I had just finished my bachelor's degree and I was pretty much looking for my next project that I said, okay, whatever I do next, I have to do something to change this I have to do something that's going to affect the black community. So uh, uh, about nine months later, the idea for the podcast actually came to me. And then I launched it on July fifth, 2017, which was a one year anniversary of, of losing Alton Sterling. And since then, it's just, uh, it's grown and it's blown up and we, we've touched, you know, thousands of people across the country. Uh, and had almost 50 black entrepreneurs come on to our show. Uh, Aside from that, in my real life, I'm also a consultant. Uh, I I help small business owners to put organization and a foundation around their business and also help entrepreneurs who have a business idea but don't really understand how to turn it into a business. I help them put a foundation and a frame around that as well. So I kind of call myself a small business architect.
0: I like that because the one thing that that resonates with me is that a lot of times uh, Blacks hesitate when going into business. It's something that is often feared. And also, um, there's a lot of stigma behind supporting it. Um, Do you find that at all?
1: 100%. That is the biggest frustration of doing my podcast is that um, so many people engage with it. They engage with me. They email me. um, They ask me for help. Uh, which I happily provide. But a lot of times what I've seen is when I have a specific business that's on, that's doing like a specific launch or a promotion, they're offering discounts. Part of the money's going to good causes. Like we just lay it on. And as I follow up with that business owner, a lot of times the only sales that they get are the things that I bought from them, Um, which is just so frustrating because you create a platform for black people, where black people listening say, yes, I'm here, I want to support black business. And then you say, here's a quality black owned business, I use the products myself, go spend your money. They don't spend the money. It is, uh, it is very, very frustrating, even, even for people who say I want to buy black a lot of times they're, they're not moving. So I'm still trying to figure that that out.
0: Olive, you have any comments for
2: that? Uh, I would say I'm with you, though, brother. Like it, it's really disheartening at times because it seems almost like the more you try, the, the the harder it gets, especially when it comes to owning your own business and uh, in, in, that, in that manner. Because I have several, it's just it's just uh, kind of difficult to uh, get
1: people to
3: participate. in, like you said, black, black. Indeed. I think it's unfortunate too because I think too about like um because I had the opportunity to travel abroad I lived in Senegal West Africa for like two months and i remember being out there and everybody there is is black so everybody's buying from each other everybody's working together and I feel like for us as a community because it's not something we see enough of it's something that we don't know how to support not necessarily that we won't support I think it's about how because it's not something that we're consistently seeing so it's not like it's not like it's advertised. It's not like it's mainstream. But there's tons of businesses that are doing great. I think for us, it's a matter of us as a people acknowledging that those businesses exist. Like, how do we make sure that we know that they're in existence, as opposed to just acknowledging, um, as opposed to just looking at it from like the business perspective in terms of sustainability? How do we make sure that we exist, and then we can look at the sustainability?
0: That's an extremely good concept because that is the thing: is that a lot of times we. We feel, you know, as business owners, that it's a thing of of not being supported. But I think education is a big thing. And, you know, an entrepreneurial mindset is a thing. And most people don't have it. And so understanding what goes into building a business, building a platform, and why it's important, you know, the joke is always the hookup, you know, but it's extremely important to support somebody in what they're doing. Because building it from the ground up, not having franchises, not having chains, not having something, you know, that's passed down from generation to generation and being the foundation of that, that is power.
1: Right. And the other, the other side to this is that if we're not supporting businesses to the point where they can grow, when a business grows, it needs employees. When a business is owned by a, a white person or a Jewish person or a, an Asian person, the people they hire when they grow are white or Jewish or Asian, right? If our black businesses aren't growing to the point where we can hire black people, then we're not doing anything in order to give our own community jobs. Because like you said, entrepreneurial mindset, everybody doesn't have it. But that means the people who don't have that mindset, they still need jobs. They shouldn't have to go out of the community and beg for a job. We should be able to have a job in the community for black people.
0: Absolutely correct. Olive, would you like to um, introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are and what you do?
3: Sure, sure, my name is um, Olave Omar Sebastian. I'm a writer, author, poet. Um, I recently, uh, w- within this past year, um, published my first book, Collection of Poems, um, for a young woman I wrote uh, for who I feel like I'm still kind of courting from afar. Um, and just um, really taking an opportunity to express and explore like what love means from, um, from the black male lens. So um, speaking about entre- <coughs> speaking of entrepreneurship, one of the things I'm in the process of is trying to see what working to see. How can I make this something that is um, sustainable income for myself, whether it be, you know, um, continuing to publish book, continuing to publish poetry, but maybe even becoming like a columnist or a writer for a magazine to see, um, you know, to hear more of our voices and have more of us reflected. And um, really just put myself out there this past uh, month, two months with this interview included. Thank you for having me and um, seeing what that's going to look like for me in the coming months and years to
0: go. What made you write something about love? You got to break that down.
3: It was it was honestly like love. <laughs> if that makes any sense, um, I think um, for me around the time I wrote it, I was um, really at a bit of a bitter point in my life, and um, you know my grandparents had passed. I was living out of state, couldn't really be around there, um, my family did be available, and then. Um, you know i guess pouting about that and also focusing on what my agenda was going to be to move back home you know somebody came along and i was just like wow like you know here i am plotting to move back uh, here to new york city and you know i'm just like halted i finally like you know stop and just reflect about things that i want for myself and um you know i think for me why i decided to publish it and put it together was really just to say thank you um i feel like i um a lot of things I didn't get a chance to say or couldn't say or didn't know how to say. Um, Really, that's what it came down to. And that's why I decided to publish the book and to really um, create that platform for us as men, Um, men of color, but also just men in general. Because I feel like for a lot of us, we don't really know how to speak about or delve into like our emotions without getting frustrated or without shying away. That's something I'm still working on and um, I think uh, really valuing and appreciating at the same
0: time. Fellas, you have any comments for that? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ask for comments and keep my input to myself and let y'all have that part.
1: <laughs> no, I, I just, I think that's dope. I mean, black men are, we spend too much time telling each other that the way to be a black man is to not feel anything for anybody at any time. So the fact that not only are you, um, openly expressed in love, but you're capturing that and then putting it out to the world like that. I mean, it's dope.
2: I second the notion. Well, um, what I will say is how I gauge uh, love, you know, it seems brother, it seems like you put a lot of time in it. And time is the essence of love, because if uh, if your, your time is, uh, you know, used fut- futilely and, and uselessly, that that there's no there's no genuine you know love behind it and so uh, with you it's um explaining you know how you've embarked on this mission to uh write and and speak out you know regarding love and i I just really commend you on that now because you are putting the time you're putting the the diligent time to get your message out there which is the Oh, sorry
0: no you're right Ray what do you guys think about the perception of black men in relationships and feelings and emotions because that's why I said I'm, I'm dropping the mic on that because that's the thing you know there is a perception there and the fact that he wrote a book about it that says a lot about it what what do you guys think the perception of black men and emotions what do you think people think about you guys
2: You mean as far as, you know, different demographics, or are we talking about just uh, within uh, the the Black hemisphere?
0: Within the Black hemisphere, like the role of a Black man, you know, um, men in general have this perception of not having emotions or not tapping into emotions and and not showing their feelings. Or even some people may think, you know, being aggressive, or maybe that's the angry, angry Black woman, I guess, you know. But either way, I just want you guys to have the opportunity to shed light on that, on um, emotional intelligence. You know, what, what do you think about it? What do you think people think about you? And what do you think is the truth about being a black man and t- being tapped into your emotions?
3: Well, I think it's, it's a mesh between um, it doesn't exist and we don't know how. Um, and a conversation I had with, um, a woman a while back was, that uh, it's not so much that we don't know how that doesn't exist. It's just that we don't, we struggle with how to, in, um, articulate it because it's not common. And for a lot of us, especially if you look at, you know, our upbringing, um, you know, we're taught to really internalize everything emotionally. If it's not related to, uh, to sports, there's no real reason for you to be shouting or crying for that matter. Um, and even in that, you know, we, we tell you, um, to man up and I feel like it's gotten so toxic that um there are some women who perpetuate it as well I've heard women tell their boys you know man up so um I feel like it's just it's just become so ingrained in our culture that it's not even it's, it's not something that we think about as something negative we just think about that's just it's just a cultural thing it's just it's just how we bob that's how we get down
2: yeah I what I don't like is that the, the stereotypes that we do get, you know, that we don't care, we just using women as a uh, uh, something to uh, get on off and whatever else in, in between. And But I think that they would find, you know, black men uh, uh, some of the most loyal, some of the most uh, caretaking and making sure that the household is taken care of, you know, uh, whether it's bills, whether it's, uh making a woman feel safe and everything else in between more more or less uh, as a traditionalist uh type of ideology that we we've um followed the footsteps of our uh our fathers and mothers and and great great grandmothers and, and whatnot even though you know uh, they'll they'll find a lot of us you know in prison and whatnot and i know i'm going left field but you know it's hard to hold a house down when you know you're being targeted, or you, you you're always having to look over your left and right shoulder uh, because of the society we live in, and uh, just with me being a a black man in America, or a black man in a wheelchair in America, it's 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 really terrifying. That sometimes you know because uh, it it's hard to you know raise a, a child, let alone walk outside your door, without making sure that uh, you, you're not going to be targeted in, 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 in any form or facet, But um, all in all, it's just when it comes to relationships uh, you know, with, uh, uh, particularly with women, uh, it, it's it's something I hope that we can we can get better at uh, when it comes to you know relationship with, with our women because our women been holding down the fort for a long time because of. Uh, What's happening in society, but I think we're, we're slowly coming, uh, uh, coming around as as black men because there's a lot of people out there that are willing to do the hard work.
1: Yeah, what what I'd say just how do people see us? Um, uh, there's been four hundred years of propaganda telling people exactly how to see us, and it still it still works today. Um, I. I I live in a, in a very corporate lifestyle and I deal with it in the corporate office. I deal with it on the street. I deal with it in the neighborhood, right? It's um, people see us and they see anger. They see aggression. They see something that is a threat. And even when you go out of your way to uh, be none of those things, uh, you're you're still accused of it or... Uh, When someone has a problem with you, that's, that's how they describe you to somebody else who they want to come and solve the problem. Um, That's just, you know, there's there's really, I would say there's nothing we can do about that to change any person's mind. So why bother? Uh, That's how I feel about it. I I would much rather just live in my world and, uh, you know, own, own my personality And whatever you see, you can see whatever you want to, but it's not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to try to make you believe that I'm something else because that's energy that I just, I don't feel like spending on people who don't matter. Um, As far as uh, emotions and relationships and everything go, I mean, I I really think it it all has to do with the household that you were brought up in and, and how you, how you saw love happen is going to affect the way that you, that you give it. Um, But there's always the, the, experience of being black in America is going to jade the way that you uh, approach love and approach emotions. And it's one of those things where you, you either grow into it, um, doing it the right way, or you just kind of, you follow the track that you've been on your whole life. And in my experience, I've seen that there are a lot of men today who are going out of their way to try to grow into being better uh, emotionally in relationships Um, treating our relationships as partnerships, as opposed to, you know, this old 1950s European style, um, you know, daddy knows best thing or whatever. So I I see a lot of movement. And I think I see it coming from the black male community within the black male community of us talking to each other and telling each other, bro, you got to do better, right, which which is where it has to start.
0: I'm really glad to hear that because, you know, I think that's what's been missing. It really does take a village. And, you know, you see that in single family homes and you see it within women. And as a black woman, you know, I create, you know, support groups and all of this for women and empowerment. So it's good to hear that this is starting to build in the black male community because that's what they need. You know, they need examples. They need mentors and they need, you know, to start having conversations because I know That's one thing that, you know, like, like Olave said, man up, you know, people don't talk about things. And, and that, that's in our community period both on the male and female side of what goes on in this house stays in this house and all the the vulnerabilities that we have, we're not supposed to discuss it, you know, but educating ourselves and our community, that's where it's at. And to hear that these, these things are starting to happen and that these roles are starting to change. That's, that's, that's the first step and I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, Raymond would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell everybody what it is that you do and how you came about doing what you do
2: well uh, thank you again for having me and I guess I can't tell you what adversity adversity hope is without you know telling a, a short little story so uh, approximately 16 years ago I was 19 going on 20. Uh, so I was playing football, you know, had a relationship. I was running errands, just doing typical stuff 20-year-olds do. And one moment I got in a car to go to school. And the next minute uh, I hit a truck and immediately and instantly I was paralyzed from the neck down. And I remember sin- sitting in a mangled car, I stating I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And it's a miracle that I'm speaking with you guys as of right now. Because I should be either dead or brain dead, because I wasn't able to breathe for over 30 minutes. And so after my car accident and I knew that there was no more uh, Running football jumping driving and so on and so forth that that life was not, never going to be the same again. And so immediately I noticed that society, you know, treating me differently and I became a you know, third class citizen. I no longer belong to the human race. And in the words of one of my relatives, you are now a head on a stick. You know, I saw that what that meant to me, I had no more worth, I was useless. And there was a, a, a mantra from myself and society saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, you won't, you won't, you won't. And it drove me to a point in my life that I was extremely depressed. And that left me with three options to live in my depression, to live in my bitterness and until uh, something else happens or the next option was to kill myself from somebody who was saying, well, Ray, how would you kill yourself? Uh, well, I'm in a wheelchair. I also have a pool and I t- contemplated about dr- uh, driving myself in my pool. And option number three was to educate myself and to understand of the world through contemplation of worldviews and self-worth, and I found a source of hope, you know, despite me being in a wheelchair, and I can use my mind and my message to help others, and so that's adversity's hope in a nutshell, to help people use what they have to benefit them.
0: That's a powerful story, and you know what I have found to be the norm in most people that are guests on my podcast, most business owners, most speakers, or even consultants, it normally starts with a story Mm -hmm. and a decision to do something with the adversity that has happened. Because in our lives, it's a matter of trying to make sense of why these things are happening and what then can we do with it to maximize, you know, a benefit from it. And so I commend you on your story because most people in your circumstance never get to where you are now. And the ability to overcome that and then use it as a tool to inspire others, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. So thank you for doing what you do.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you for the platform to to share with others.
0: Fellas, you have any comments?
1: I don't.
3: I think uh, Anika said it best. my I think it's beautiful that you're able to do this work now. And like you said, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just beautiful that you're able to do this and um, you're continuing to do it. You know what I mean? For a lot of people, you know, when we have setbacks in life, people give up. And here you are not doing that. I think um, your presence and what you represent is an inspiration to everybody. And I, I thank you for that.
1: You I I say, I'm sorry. So this makes me think about another frustration that I have. Um, we don't pay enough attention to, to how we treat people. Once we deem, oh, there's, there's nothing I can get out of you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what you just said when you, when you said that, um, Everybody said you can't, you won't, and you—you you basically were no longer a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of resonated with me because um, there's there's another um, there's another group of people who who get treated like they're not human beings um, when somebody doesn't have a home anymore. A lot of times we, you know, this is a homeless person. This is a homeless person. It's a homeless person. It's like, so what are we putting first? We're saying this is a homeless and then they're a person, right? And they get ignored and it's like, people experiencing homelessness, people experiencing a disability, right? That, that language, language is so important because when we say, oh, you're a disabled person or you're a homeless person, it's like, you are no longer equal, right? And I, I'm sorry that we as a society function that way uh, what, what are some of the things that you feel like we either could or need to do um, just I mean, as human beings to shift that, to change that? Because I feel like it, it, it changes everything when, when it's just, hey, I'm still looked at and treated like a, I'm part of everybody else. Like, I feel like that opens a lot of doors for people or it might even open up just uh, the mental shift that you had on your own. Uh, other people might need a little bit of a boost of people still see value in me in order to do what you did. So what are some of the things that you think we need to do better?
2: Well, well some of the things I'm doing now, okay. For example, um, if people will close their eyes and hear me speak, they, they would imagine an able-bodied person. But when they see me, you know, in, in this wheelchair, they, they see me as a subhuman or a zoo animal. And I'm more than just this chair. And... What I've done is, I want to use this chair to meet people where they are in their limitations, uh, because everybody has limitations, whether you believe you do or not. And so, mine, mine limitations are just visible, where you guys' limitations might, you know, be uh, uh, undisclosed. You know what I'm saying? And people, people would have to ask you what your limitation may be to understand or to know what they are. And so. Uh, one is what I said earlier and uh, what the brother uh, um, was talking about earlier about, about uh, love, which is time. And so spending time with one another is, is one, one of the most uh, mundane things we can do, but the most powerful thing we can do because money you can get back, but spending time with uh, the, the four, uh, three of you now. I can't. I can't get that time back. You know what I'm saying. And so these are the valuable things that we take for granted, that we can do each and every day, and just to build up, not not just your own brand, your own brand, but like you said, hey, hey, let's do something for the homeless. Let's do something for the misfortune. Let's do something for the orphan. Let's do something for the widow. And as we come together as, uh, as as a group that we form. Even at this moment, you know, it's, it's just spending time together and understanding all, where we, where we were, where we are, and where we're headed as a people, as a human race. I
1: appreciate that.
0: So the next question I have for all of you is: we're going to shift this a little bit. Um, I think that having three black male entrepreneurs on one platform is huge because this is something that a lot of people are fearful of, but I think that we also need to empower people to take control over their lives and and shift their their mindset. Um, I wanna ask each of you, what tips do you have for people that may have ideas, gifts, talents, education, Uh, dreams, aspirations, and are sitting on them because of maybe stigma or generational curses or, um, as Gerald said, you know, how you were raised, background, what message or tips do you have for those individuals that may be listening to this podcast? I guess we could start with Gerald.
1: Oh, mine is easy. I'm wearing it. What's it say on my shirt? Don't
0: ask permission, change the world.
1: Exactly. Don't wait for somebody else to validate you. And nobody else can validate you. And, and that's a big problem I see in the black community is that, well, if Nike didn't say it, then it ain't real. If you're not, if your product isn't in the, the Kroger grocery store, then it's not, it's not a valuable product. If this person didn't endorse it or if, uh, you know, it, it, We wait for other people to come and validate what we're going to do before we can say, oh, I can do that. No, don't ask permission from anybody. If you have something inside of you that needs to come out, then just create it. If you want that thing to be a billion people strong, make it a billion people strong. Those people will validate you as you are building. But don't go up to somebody else who's already got a billion dollar industry and say, hey, can you co-sign me? Because, one, they don't exist to do that. They didn't ask somebody else to co-sign them. They don't exist to co-sign you. So just get up and start building. Don't ask anybody else's permission. And if somebody says, who told you you could be that? Who told you you could do that? I did, right? My, My podcast, right? The Voice of Black Business. Who told you your podcast is the Voice of Black Business? I did, because I Googled it and wasn't nobody else that. So guess what it is? That's who I am, right? So... Don't ask anybody's permission. Just do it.
2: Yeah, that Nike slogan in there right there. Right? right? right. <laughs> that's the
3: honest truth. That's the honest truth, man. That's the.
0: I, I love it because that's the reality. And you know, when I started my business, that's exactly what I did. And I, I tell everybody, endorse yourself. Because everybody's waiting on an endorsement from somebody else. We wait on validation of trying to make ourselves, um, you, you know, or prove even to ourselves or to somebody else, you know, to wait for them to be proud of us. You know, we we were given intuition for a reason, but we don't we don't tap into it and we don't use it. We we tap more into fear. And so listening to what you said it's absolutely true. He said, I checked Google and it said it wasn't there. So here it is. And that's the truth. So, I mean, I was dying laughing. It is so true, though, because at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen?
1: Right? Somebody's going to come and be like, well, I'm the voice of black business.
0: <laughs> Google
1: didn't have that. Right? <laughs> you need to prove it.
0: Exactly. As far as these
1: people out here go, I am. So you're going you're gonna to have to, you want the throne, you're going to have to convert them.
0: So, yep. yeah. Get up and show <laughs> up. All right. All right olive you have any comments about business or any tips or tools or messages
3: well i would really add to that because i feel like that was something that held me back from my book for a while i said in terms of like that validation and i feel like once i got out of that mindset i was able to publish it i was sitting on this book for like for too long and then once i got through the process i was like man it took me this long to do something like that um literally and um i think to add to, to joe's point i would really say um it's all about also, I think, also how you speak, like changing your language about what it is that you want. So um, I know one of the things for me um, when I speak, I try to be really intentional about what I say. I think the biggest thing for me is to stop saying words like try. I feel like when you say try, you already doubted it yourself, you know, before you even made an attempt. So just say, you know, that you're doing it or you're attempting. Um, and I feel like changing how you speak and even changing the people that you're around have a larger influence because sometimes the greatest validator is going to also be yourself and sometimes the people that you're around you know they can say they love you they can say everything you know you want to hear under the sun but they may not always necessarily have your best interests at heart and I think that um it, it's difficult to find those people because those, be those could be friends those could be you know random people that just see you on the street but I feel like um really putting yourself around those those like-minded people the people who are going to drive you to people who don't want you to be stagnant um that's really important and then like i said going back to joe's point just validating yourself and just really being your own affirmation waking up in the morning and telling yourself something positive um going to sleep and doing the same or you know looking yourself in the mirror in the middle of the day and just telling yourself yo i'm the stuff today and that's 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 all there is to it um those those are things that i feel are, are are the most important make a transition
2: it's not going to be overnight it's not going to be uh maybe even this year but make a transition if you add a uh nine to five that's cool but still there's an opportunity to make a transition when it comes to having your own doing your own thing we're, because we're a, one we're an autonomous people we want to do what we want how we want and when we want, and you can't do that on somebody else's platform. And so if you wanna be or have some financial freedom, just do the, have the first step in mind is, of course, you're gonna be writing down ideas of what you wanna do, how you wanna do it, but just, just have it in your mind to make the transition from wherever you are now to until you have your own platform until you have your, your own business uh, and finding out, you know, what you want to do, and how you want to do it.
1: Yeah. Can I add one more kind of controversial thing to this too? If you are in a small to medium sized city and you want to do this move, go somewhere else because your people, will not support you. And I don't mean that as black people. I mean the folks who grew up with you and have seen you from the time you were peeing your bed all the way up until you are an adult. The way that they look at you is always gonna be as that kid who did X, Y, or Z. And so if you try to start a business around all of the people who you grew up with, they are not going to support you. They're gonna think it's cute, they'll say, Oh, yeah, it's so new that they will not believe in you. And it, and it's sad that that is the way it is, but that's just the way that it is. Uh, it's just like the fact that your parents, no matter how old you get, they will always see you as a teenager because that's the last time that you lived in their home. That's the last image of you they had. The people you grew up with will always see you as that kid. And so if you want to succeed, if you're not in a big enough city where you can just go to a different area of the city, you're going to have to pick up and you're going to have to move. Got to go somewhere
2: new, reinvent yourself. Well, because there's a saying, a man has no honor in his own town. So, I mean, uh, I agree one hundred. Unless you you have a internet based business, but yeah, I I got you.
3: Because they also say home is where the hatred is. So, you got to pick and choose uh where you want to lay your head at the end of the night mm-hmm. too.
0: I never heard that but um, I, I believe it I'm gonna write it down and stamp it because you know what Gerald you're you're right on point I literally had to divorce you know most of the people in my life because I finally realized it was the people around me that put that doubt in my head that I held on to for 20 years and you know I always had that intuition but that doubt kept being stamped every day every day every idea I had was like you're so crazy you know it was just that simple and when you think outside of the box or you leap or you have faith, you gotta you gotta bank on that and you cannot bank on the perceptions of other people because you're going to continuously look back and not forward and you're going to go back and not forward and so moving, I, I used to tell everybody, I was a, a counselor at a treatment center and I would tell them change your environment. Nothing is going to change. You can change everything about you but if you never change your environment, nothing is going to happen and that's That's real. Well, do either of you have any last comments or anything that you would like listeners to know about being a black man?
2: Mm. Mm. Uh, I would say This, regarding the stigmas, you know, because various stigmas uh, stick on me, but but are amplified. For example, uh, when it comes to uh, the, the simple-minded or the low IQ, you know, where people don't even come to talk to me. They come to talk to either my wife or my caregiver because I'm sitting in a wheelchair and they, they think I'm... I'm uh so stupid that i can't hold a conversation or articulate myself and so uh, i guess as as being a black man don't become a stereotype and uh, i guess try to break those stereotypes by living a altruistic life as 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 much as possible And I, uh, again, I would say uh, to know uh, who you are and what you are, because society is so quick to to tell you what you are, who you are, what you can do, what you can't do, and uh, everything else in between. So um, more or less be stout hearted in, in, in whatever endeavor you choose to pursue. Yeah, Olive, I'm going
1: to defer to you, man.
3: <laughs> um. Nah, I, I I'm not gonna hold you. I don't know if y'all all saw everybody's facial expression when she asked, but everybody's just like, "Oh." man I almost said I a moment of silence. I almost said it because I was just
0: looking. I was like, "Okay," but you know what? That's like, real though.
3: But, but real. No, I, and I, and I think I think I think um Gerald Cutter, as uh, You must have read my mind because I was thinking, you know, like um I think the biggest thing. Is, is really just vulnerability. I think um, somebody told me, like I said earlier, vulnerability is like a superpower. And I feel like um, something as simple as you telling somebody, um, good morning, could bring a lot into your, into your day. Um, something as um, a kind gesture, you know what I mean, could bring a lot to your day. And I feel like, you know, instead of us being so caught up on worried about what it looks like, we need to be more so thinking about what it feels like. Um, to have that in you, you know, to for, for, for you to feel love enough to want to do that for somebody else, and not have to worry about oh, well, that doesn't look man enough, that doesn't look tough enough, whatever the case is. I think um, once we can start putting those things into action and just stop um, making a words, then um, yeah, sky's the limit for, for all of us.
1: Cool um, words. All
3: right, so I'll
1: say these things. Um, so. Since this audience is mainly black women, black women or just women, women, black women, women. All right. So being a black man, I feel like that we people spend way too much time and energy trying to tell people who are in a different demographic from us how they should behave. Even if we're right, it won't work. Such as, black people telling white people not to be racist is never gonna work. White people telling white people not to be racist is what's gonna have to work. Black women telling black men not to be trash is not gonna work. Black men have to do that. And black men telling black women how they need to treat Black men is not going to work. Black women who have experience and knowledge and wisdom have to raise Black women. Black men have to raise Black men. And when I say raise, I don't mean like childhood. I mean as peers. We need to spend more time and energy lifting each other up. And that doesn't mean constantly with words of encouragement a lot of times it means that thing you just said or did was not right here's why you should never do it again that coming from a peer is gonna go so much farther even though they'll get pissed off and they'll probably buck back at it and we do our male thing of i've got to you know my testosterone has to save me because my emotions just got hurt right but when that conversation is over with and this person walks away he's gonna be thinking about it more than if it was somebody else who said it to him. So I'd say to the women in the audience, if, if you want to see more black men behaving in ways that, um, that make you feel like the Queens that you are, then you need to find the black men in your lives who are exhibiting that behavior and you need to encourage them to do more of the conversations like what we're having here with other black men. Uh, Because you going to do it is not going to get the reaction that needs to happen. But you encouraging men to do the right thing, that's literally how Black culture works anyway. We are matriarchal people. That is our history. And so when a Black woman comes and looks a good Black man in the eye and says, you're doing great things. I need you to turn this direction and go over here and help these people. When, we follow, when you do that, we move. And when we move in that way, we make a difference. So um, use your power of intuition. Use your power of, as I, another woman I spoke to recently said, you know, Black men are the head, but we are the neck. Use your power to direct us towards where we need to go. And then send us in that direction. But men have to raise up men and, and women have to raise up women. And so on both sides, I think we need to do a much better job of uh, encouraging each other, but not constantly getting into the bashing each other because that's what it always devolves into. So that's, that's really all I got to say about it.
2: I guess I'll make one more point. Uh, it, it kind of piggybacks off Madero, but it more or less kind of drives my point home as, as far as knowing who you are and what you are. And w- when, when we are in relationships, or when you get into that relationship and you are really considering uh, this person as somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with or a lot of time with, I believe that there's uh, a, a way to gauge how to, uh, how to decipher truth within, within a person. And there's four basic questions for life, which is origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin, where do we come from? Meaning: What's the meaning of life? Morality: How do we decide right from wrong? And destiny: What generally happens to us when we die? And so, if a man and, uh, and a woman, or, or whoever, or whoever decides to, you know, spend the rest of their life with uh, that significant other, I think it's important to engage in questions like these to get a firm grasp of who you are about to spend your time with.
0: Well, I want to thank you guys for being here and, um, and articulating, you know, all of those concepts, ideas, and stereotypes. Um, The reason why I chose to have this platform is because as a black female, you know, the role of a black man is important, but the stigmas attached, they affect everyone, society, business, relationships, families, all of it. And as a black woman, I'm trying to heal from the the bad parts of that, but also change the perceptions and create healthy relationships and teach our children what the roles should look like, instead of anticipating what society says they look like, you know, and so I want to thank you guys for being here. Um, this is a conversation that I want to continue on and on and on and just keep going and keep going. And you know, Gerald, what you said is so important because that's something that I've learned to do is to just kind of lead people to the water and let them drink, you know, and just kind of let it happen. Because it's, it's often that as women, we often try to just orchestrate everything. But we got to understand that we have a role too. And we have a place but doesn't mean that we, we don't have to have anything to do with it. But we can help the process, but let somebody else do the work. And you know, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you have your own platforms for what you're doing. And so the next thing I want is for each of you to um, starting with Gerald, tell listeners how to find you and um, go ahead and tell them your website information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at Gerald at BuyBlackPodcast.com. I've got several websites. I got one for the podcast, BuyBlackPodcast.com. But uh, the main thing that, that I'm Promoting right now is uh, starting in 2019. uh, My first signature program is coming out, and that is called Dope Business Plan. And you can uh, you can sign up to get updates on that at dopebusinessplan.com. Basically, I'm just helping those entrepreneurs to take their ideas, turn them into actual structured business plans that you can then turn around and use and make money. So if there's anybody out there that you know who uh, is constantly talking about their entrepreneurial spirit, constantly having these great ideas, but they never really seem to get them off the ground. I can help them put a foundation and a frame around it. Just go to dopebusinessplan.com and uh, sign up right there, and we'll be in touch.
0: All right. Now, what about
3: you, I um, Mostly be using my Instagram page, but I also um, have a uh, bit.ly, so uh, bit.ly. Uh, backslash my full name Olave Sebastian so O-L-A-V-E-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-E-N also um, <coughs> choosing my Instagram page which is rare underscore O-Godly and I also have the book um, with the link in the bio as well as um, available on Amazon
0: all right all right and what about you Ray?
2: you can reach me at adversityscope.com A-D-V-E-R S I T Y S H O P E, and uh, or you can email me at uh, ray a at adversitieshope
0: All right. Well, I am Anika Wilson. I want to thank all of you guys for being here, and I definitely want to continue to support your businesses and get your information posted on my platforms, because as you said, we really need to uh, kind of funnel you know, mend your way, um, starting as young as possible to as old as possible and start changing these uh the trajectories of these lives, relationships, and and businesses. So thank you guys for being here.
1: Thank you for having me on. Well, thank
2: you. Thank you as well. I appreciate it, Anika.
3: Yeah, appreciate right. it. Thank you as well.
0: All right. This is another episode of Your Voice Show Power. I am Anika Wilson. Stay powerful. Thanks.